0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode. Post game 2022-23 season of Dime Dropper. Tonight, we got the Clippers and the Warriors. I did not attend the game, watched it from home, second straight game that I watched from home, but it was the second straight W I watched from home. Four straight wins for the Clippers. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. I'm sorry. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at dime Dropper Pod, And, of course, listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you can't watch the YouTube version for whatever reason. But, hey, Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. I know it's late tonight. I had to, I was somewhere during the game, so I had to watch the game a little bit back, like recorded. So I didn't finish the game to like, 11 o'clock or 10.30. So it was going to take me a while to get on here. But we on here. Shout out to everybody in the live. Um... Clippers win win it again, that's four games in a row. The Golden State Warriors obviously coming in with that terrible road record. I think it was seven and twenty six coming into this game, and I was a little bit nervous because Steph Curry said to I just like I think it was like somebody filming him, you know, one of those like NBA Snapchat or NBA you know YouTube Shorts. Somebody was filming him walking into the locker room, and. This man, Curry, was like, we got to get one on the road now. We just got to get one on the road. And I think he may have said that also in the post-game interview or it may have been one of those two. I don't know. Point is, I heard it out of his mouth. He was talking about we got to get one on the road. And that makes me nervous because I said it on Locked On the other day. When a great player says they really want to win, man, I got a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. And look, Steph Curry came out and absolutely hoop tonight. 50 points. 50 And he was doing it in a variety of ways, and he started right away. Moving without the ball, he got the ball in pick and roll and was hitting as well. Threes, mid-ranges, like circus finishes around the basket. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, that guy is just straight up one of the best players that's ever lived, one of the best players I've ever seen. You just got to marvel at his greatness, and it's honestly awesome to marvel at his greatness when you win. I mean, when you lose, it's annoying. And he was scaring me a little bit, but the Clippers, I got to say, and it starts from the beginning of the game, Fourth straight game, they came out. Actually, I want to say third straight because against Memphis, it was just a fourth quarter thing. But the third straight game where they came out with much better defensive intensity. The Warriors are such a hard team to guard because they constantly move without the ball, especially Stephen Clay. They back cut, they read and react when you're overplaying them. You know, they have counters to everything off the ball. They're not actually a heavy on-ball pick-and-roll team like most of the league. So it's a little bit different to guard them. You really got to communicate. What Warriors offense allows and those kind of offenses allow is a lot of miscommunication by the defense. Human error. Because you have to talk through so many screens and Steph is such a threat coming off screens anyway. You want to know if you want to send a second defender, if you want to blitz him on on on-ball pick-and-rolls, if you want to throw two defenders on him coming off screens when he's off the ball before he even receives it, but that allows, you know, somebody to the screener to slip to the basket wide open depending on your spacing it's a bunch of things you have to deal with think about when you guard Steph Curry but I knew what type of time the Clippers were on when Paul George was guarding Steph Curry from the tip and Kawhi Leonard okay from the tip off Kawhi Leonard was guarding Klay Thompson right from the jump ball as well so that showed me that it was serious tonight They realize the situation, and this is just what we've been wanting the entire season, is more of this kind of attitude that we've seen the last three games. And I know it's hard to develop that when you have guys constantly coming out, the rotation's changing and whatnot, but there's no excuse. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard set the tone. You know, I think our on-ball defense overall is still a little bit of an issue. The Warriors scored 126 points in this game, but a large part of that is one, the way they just play offense. I know they're middle of the pack in offensive rating, but they are just unbelievable when they're going. And Steph Curry scored 50 points and was hitting every shot imaginable and was absolutely in the zone. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do about that. And then overall, I think the Clippers still made it tough for them, and I think the game was just played at a very fast pace. So it was bound to be a high-scoring game. You know the Warriors want to run, but with guys like Russell Westbrook and Terrence Mann playing more, Clippers also were looking to run, and you also want to run when you get steals and force turnovers, and one of the best things the Clippers did in this game was force turnovers. We've talked about it all season, Clipper Nation. Clippers have been turning the ball over a lot, but the Warriors are actually worse at turning the ball over than them, and that should come to a come as a surprise to absolutely nobody because the Golden State Warriors, even in the years that they win championships, tend to turn the ball over a decent amount. Last year, I remember at one point thinking maybe they're not going to win the championship. Because they turned the ball over too much. But ultimately in playoffs, in the playoffs, when it came down to playoff time, crunch time, they were able to take care of the ball a lot better. Shout out to everybody in the chat. I want to say once again, super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Shout out to everybody that supports me even on this late Wednesday night now we're you know past midnight so it's Thursday shout out to everybody in the chat and everybody who's listening in the morning on your car ride or wherever you may be listening on pod, Apple Podcasts or Spotify let's keep on moving though Paul George and Kawhi Leonard set a tone their help defense was sharp. They were, when Kawhi's guarding Clay and PG's guarding Steph and they're screening for each other, you can switch that all day long. So that was fantastic. I think the Clippers did such a good job of knowing who they wanted to switch on and who they didn't want to switch on. Just everybody knowing their coverages, everybody knowing the scheme. And that's just attention to detail. Focus. Taking pride defensively. And we've seen that in the last three games more than any. Paul George said the team came together, came together and said, we gotta start fucking winning games. Like, come on, let's do this. So that tells me it was a switch that they flipped. Yes, you know, Russ is settling into the team. Yes, you have Ty Lu having to adjust and all that. But settling in to the team, it's much more than that. Sometimes you just gotta play harder. She's got to play harder and take more pride on the defensive end. And that's what I think the Clippers have done the last three games, despite the high score. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George set that tone. And they also were just fantastic offensively, both with 24-plus points in this one. Paul George with 24 points. Kawhi Leonard with 30. And they also got huge contributions elsewhere. Ivica Zubac, Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon, and Terrence Mann, all in double figures. It was an absolute... Masterclass as well from ty lu who i thought had his best coaching game of the season and i'm going to describe why as i continue but yes he was helped out by a certain ejection to marcus morris so let's get right into it first quarter was really interesting because the clippers just came out ice cold ice cold and when i so, and it's funny because I said it on Locked On Clippers yesterday in the episode. I said it's likely going to be DiVincenzo guarding Paul George. And then, um, God, who fucking starts? Klay Thompson guarding Kawhi Leonard. Draymond Green was guarding Russ. I said he was going to guard Marcus Morris, but he was guarding Russ. And I should have known that considering that's what they did last time. But the Clippers, you know, Russ was starting out missing some shots in the beginning of the game. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George weren't hitting in the beginning. We were pretty cold to start, and the Warriors were just beating us on back cuts left and right, starting with Steph Curry, and they were up eight to one. But after that, we started to settle in. Kawhi hit a mid range, and you right there, he was gonna get going. And we well, got to be real, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, they were switching the pick and roll with Divincenzo and Clay. So when PG was screening for Kawhi, they were letting Divincenzo guard Kawhi, and it wasn't working. They had no answer for Kawhi Leonard all night. They had no answer for Paul George really all night. They were double teaming a lot, you know, overloading, loading up, whatever you want to call it. And the Clippers were making them pay swinging the ball. It's exactly what I said. Without Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton, they are not going to trust these guys on an island to guard Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Whether it be Steph Curry, whether it be DiVincenzo, Klay Thompson, they let him guard a little bit more. But overall, the Clippers did their thing. And those guys weren't that effective. So slowly they started easing into things. Russell Westbrook, I've been saying for multiple games now, since honestly, since the first couple games we got him, that they're going to let him shoot. Everybody knows that. But the Clippers are encouraging him to take the corner three very clearly. And I thought this is where Ty Lue made the biggest adjustment. And that's, this is, in my opinion, why he was the best. This was his best game to me this season as a coach. I thought his counter was going to be for Russ to attack the space, which it was. He was not taking those pull-up mid-ranges. He was going... If he was driving or looking to score in that situation where they were sagging feet off of him, he went right into the chest. There was one time he went right into the chest of Draymond Green. There was another time where he went right into the chest of Klay Thompson. And, man, that guy is strong. But that was one counter, which, I mean, we've seen him do that before. But the main one, I thought it was going to be more dribble handoffs and using Russ as a screener. And we saw just a little bit of that. But... What was the real adjustment was they moved him to the weak side corner. Throw the ball to Kawhi and Paul George on the elbow or on the wing, he would go all the way to the opposite corner. So now their best help defender in Draymond Green is all the way over there. He's not going to be helping on the ball now. He's likely going to be sinking in to help the helper when the closest defender to Kawhi and Paul George doubles. And when that was happening, that allows the Clippers to move the ball get the Warriors' defense in rotation, and now you have certain guys attacking closeouts. And Russ absolutely can attack closeouts, but they were really leaving him open. And a couple times, he made the corner three. I'm pretty sure all his three-point attempts in this one were corner threes. He shot five of them. He made two of them. 40% from three, I'll take that all day. And honestly, I'm going to say it. I'm okay with the corner three. I am. It has to be wide open, though. has to be wide open. But I'm okay with the corner three. Overall, that wasn't even the best of it. The offensive rebound, because when you're literally just not guarding Russ at all, what he was doing is, besides hitting that open weak side corner three, now he's creeping in from that corner and cutting a little more. He was moving a little bit more off the ball in this one. Being ready to cut, but he was really being ready to crash the glass. We were encouraging Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to take those contested mid-ranges because here's the thing. When teams hard double, that makes the pass a little bit more simple, you can say. When teams load up, they want to make you think about the pass a little more, but if you got mid-range snipers that don't need to drive, in the Clippers case, they have two, but one of them is really a sniper, Kawhi Leonard. You can have a defender waiting behind the initial defender, It doesn't matter if he's just going to take one or two dribbles and not even try to get by him and just pull up and knock it down. And that's what Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do. So when they're not sending that full double and just loading up, Kawhi can choose. He can either take that mid-range shot because he's still basically one-on-one. Paul, the same thing applies. Or he can move the ball and just start swinging it quick and attacking the closeout. But the defense has a better chance to recover in that instance. The Clippers are countering everything very well. But Russell Westbrook crashing that glass was just... Amazing. And in the first quarter, the Clippers were up after it, 28-23. to 23. The normal nine-man rotation was in effect tonight, the one we've started to become accustomed to without Norman Powell, and that's Nicholas Batum, Mason Plumlee, Eric Gordon, and Terrence Mann. So no Robert Covington, no Bones Highland. He had Paul George at 40 minutes tonight, Kawhi Leonard at 36. So you know how it goes. First, they took Russell Westbrook out, who was okay in the first. They put in Eric, and then slowly they put in Plumlee for Zoo. I thought Zoo had some pretty nice contests around the basket in the first quarter, but didn't get the ball much at all. Mason Plumlee obviously checking in for him. I'm surprised the Clippers didn't go small like that in this game at all because the Warriors, they had lineups with Draymond at center, Kaminga at center, whatever, but the Clippers, actually I shouldn't say Kaminga, Jermichael Green, former Clipper Jermichael Green, who I absolutely love, by the way, and the Clippers stayed big most of the game. Either Mason Plumlee or, or Ivica Zubac was on the floor. And the one guy that was just not playing well at all in the first quarter by any stretch was Marcus Morris again. I mean, he was trying on defense. I got to give it to him. He did have some successful contests for misses. But overall, you could just see he was slow, man. He's just slow. And he wasn't making his open shots. He still got a couple of open jumpers, and he couldn't get them to fall. I mean, it's just the conversation is done in terms of whether he should be starting or not. The conversation is also done on whether he's going to start or not because he's not. I mean, he's not going to be taken out of the starting lineup, no. It's because Tylu loves him, and he couldn't really accept it. But Nicholas Batum then shortly comes in for Paul George towards the end of the first quarter. Already, and then Terrence Mann comes for Marcus Morris, who, by the way, played the first eight minutes of the game. I don't understand what warrants him playing eight minutes to start the game when he's not playing well. And we've seen this story over and over. Like, okay, you want to start him, but don't give him eight straight minutes when he's not playing well, when Terrence Mann's just sitting there. But anyway, Kawhi Leonard played the whole first quarter. We staggered Kawhi and Paul, and Kawhi started growing into the game after Paul went out. I thought Paul was the aggressive one to start. He got us going with the jumper. But Kawhi, mm, 11 points in the first quarter, knocking down the mid-range, getting to the foul line, hit a long jumper to end it. And going... Into the second quarter up by five. I was feeling pretty good. 35-33 to 33 in favor of the Warriors in that second. And I thought Russell Westbrook did much better in that second stint. There was that great sequence where he stole the ball. I think it was from Draymond from behind once he, claimed, once he got the rebound. Gave it a PG who missed a three. Russ got the offensive rebound on that long miss. Gave it back to PG. Same spot. Different result. Absolutely awesome hustle from Russ. And Terrence Mann, you know, when he came in the game, he immediately made an impact. Getting to the basket, attacking closeouts, playing decent defense, and the Clippers were causing turnovers. Jordan Poole was not as electric in this game as he was in the last time we saw him. And Jordan Poole, he had a decent first half shooting the ball, you know, offensively. Overall, he was 6 for 11 from the field, 3 for 5 from deep, and 4 for 5 from the line. 19 points if you look at his box score 19.5 assists and that efficiency you would think he had a good game but man that dude was getting cooked on defense all night long he does not have a defensive bone in his body and we were attacking him in the pick and roll we didn't attack Steph much in the pick and roll until later in the game like fourth quarter but Jordan Poole we were attacking him a lot you know when I saw Russ and transition against him I was like uh easy blow by he's not strong enough Putting him in the pick and roll action. I mean, weak show and recover from him. He's just he don't, he don't isn't really he's not interested in defense, clearly. The Clippers are ex- exploiting that. Nicholas Batum was the bench player for the Clippers that played the least, but as always, Nico a solid in his minutes, 6 points, 2 assists, 2 steals, active hands as usual, 2 for 5 from the field and 2 for 4 from deep in 20 minutes of play. Actually, I apologize. It was Mason Plumley who played the least amount of minutes of those rotation guys. Nico, second least. Mason, four points and five boards in 17 minutes of play. Two for two in the game. I thought, you know, he did a good job finishing those layups that he had and had a couple of rebounds. And I, he had that one steal. He had two steals in the game, but that one steal against Jordan Poole in that second quarter was nice. Got the ball on the floor, threw it out. and I'm pretty sure Terrence Mann got a dunk off of it. But... Clippers go into halftime up 61-58. to There was a stretch in that second quarter where he had mid-post P, two possessions in a row, catching it at the elbow, and he scored right over Klay Thompson. Went to him the third time, he missed. But I absolutely just love seeing that. Keep feeding him in the mid-post. I don't know in the elbow or at the elbow. I don't know why we don't do it enough. Just spam it, honestly, like four or five times a quarter or a stretch that he's in. I know that sounds like a lot, but honestly, it's such good results. It's like he's playing in an open, not even an open run. Like he's playing, you know, one on one, two dribble limit, three dribble limit, and he just gets to his spot, rises over the top. It's beautiful. Sometimes he even he doesn't even need to take a dribble. But third quarter, the Warriors came out more aggressive, and. I was afraid that we were going to suffer third-quarter Warriors. And by the way, I skipped over it, but Marcus Morris got ejected in what I believe should have been a flagrant one. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm old school. To me, yeah, it was a dirty play. It wasn't a play on the ball. It wasn't a basketball play. Flagrant one. He got a little mad. Two guys getting into it. You know, he pushed him to the ground. Flagrant one. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. It actually helped us in the end because we already know how I feel about uh, Marcus Morris Sr. right now. The less he plays, the better. And Eric Gordon started that third quarter. Now, it wasn't a great start to the quarter, but I got to give the guys credit. They sustained engaged defensively and having active hands. You know, the Warriors are going to turn the ball over and make unforced errors themselves. But they were doing a good job of just using their length to have active hands and cause turnovers. Get their hands on the ball. Hustle for loose balls. I thought we were first to most loose balls. I felt like we just wanted it a little bit more. But I'll tell you who wanted it a lot. Stephen Curry. And he was just putting on an absolute show in that third quarter. Kawhi Leonard matching him in that third. I think Kawhi had 25 points by the end of the third quarter. Steph had like, I want to say 35 or something. He was hitting these circus shots. threes in transition. And what makes Steph Curry so hard to guard is moving without the ball. Because you, he works so quickly off the catch. And sometimes he just catches and shoots. You don't have the time to double him. Unless you want to double and throw two guys on him before he even gets the ball. Well, that usually leaves a cutter wide open. And then you get downhill action with space. So that's kind of suicidal. But appreciate the Super Chat so much, everybody. Really do. Um, Someone said, Kawhi said it's a dark tunnel and we'll see the light. You know what's funny is I was just about to say, I think I called that out a couple games back when we were 0-5 of Russ. Where's the dark? Where's the fucking light? I'm starting to see that light, but I just got to, you know, I've always said top three seed or no chip. I'm starting to think maybe we could be the team that makes history or joins the historic teams in the Celtics and the Rockets, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think having no expectations like I've done ever since I've had the no expectations, uh, we've been winning games and I've been having fun. It's always right when I lose hope, we play great. So I'm going to continue doing that. Anyways. Clippers responded well from the early third-quarter Warriors push. Steph Curry push. Kawhi Leonard, mid-range maestro. It's interesting because I think sometimes Kawhi still takes too long and dribbles a little too much compared to maybe like past players in that mid-range area. But he still makes the shot, so I can't really complain. Um, <laughs> just me being picky but like one-on-one shit. But... Kawhi did a great job finding the open man, too. Just moving the ball, reading the defense well. And again, Russell Westbrook in that third quarter is where he really shined. Going, Coming from out of nowhere to get those offensive rebounds, making the defense pay for not guarding him. He even hit a bank shot, another corner three. And just the rebounds were, the, were what was getting me the most hyped. I mean, it was just unreal. I love his energy. It's just the celebration after a good thing happens. He's just... That's why, you know, I'm an emotional guy, man. I'm an emotional You guys know that. You guys are my listeners. You know that. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and everything I do, people that know me personally know that. I'm not a stoic guy. I'm all out and everything I do, 110%, things I love. And Russell Westbrook, I resonate with that, with him. That's why he's always been one of my favorite players. He pours his soul and heart and soul into the game. When he's sad, he's sad and you can tell, you know. You can tell with the way he answers questions in post-game pressers, all of that. When he's hyped, he's getting the crowd involved, he's smiling, he's enthusiastic, he's talking. I just love that. We needed an emotional leader, a vocal leader, and I think that was huge. And Russ was just, you know, he's still making good passes. I also think another way that Tyloo got creative was when Russ is sagged off that much, he's got all the room in the world to make a pass. And Russell Westbrook is the best passer on our team by a landslide. And what you do then is you get guys coming off actions off ball, off screens, and they're catching the ball in their areas. Like, for example, there was a play where Nico Batum comes off a little uh, flare screen or a pin down, whatever it was, and flashes to the corner for an open three. Russell Westbrook gets him right in the pocket. He gets his second three of the game. There was another one, Paul George, moving off the ball, catches it right at the elbow coming off a screen. All he needs is to rise up and shoot. Russell Westbrook gets it to him right in the pocket. And having that ability to hit a guy right in his shooting pocket, doesn't have to make him go down or go up or adjust for the pass, that's huge because that sometimes with NBA-level length and athleticism, that .5 seconds gives the ability to give Paul George a clean shot versus semi-contested. And that is really good coaching in my opinion. Get the ball to Kawhi in the mid-post. Russ now goes to the opposite corner. Russ now tries to flash middle and cut without the ball. They cut that off. Okay, now he's going to go to the corner. I mean, just great stuff from Ty Lu. I got to give him a lot of credit. And on the other end, we're giving Draymond the Russ treatment. You know, they have two non spacers as well. And by the way, they were not, when Zubots was beyond the foul line, they were literally just camping in the paint. And they were, the refs were letting him consider it legal guarding position. So that was some bullshit. But the Warriors weren't guarding Zu and Russ. So you got to give Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the rest credit. Eric Gordon was unbelievable in the third quarter. So many open threes. The deep 30-footers that everybody's been talking about him giving us, he was splashing. And I just had to say, EJ for three. Bingo! Eric Gordon from downtown. And i got to love it. EJ, 16 points on 5-for-11 shooting and 4-for-8 from three. Four for eight from three. 50% for good old number 10. I thought he was awesome. Also played good D. I'm pretty sure he got a steal in there as well. Two of them. So the Clippers had 11 steals. And they did a good job of getting out and moving the ball quickly. Making the Warriors pay in transition. Getting the ball up and down the court fast with their athletes like Russ and Terrence Mann. And I'll tell you, man. Russell Westbrook, when he hit that bang shot off that offensive rebound... I was so hyped. And the best part about the game, he passed up some of those jumpers at the top. He was so patient. He was so smart. I've really never seen Russ pass up shots the way he did in this game and just stick to what the game plan was and excel. I've never seen a performance like this that didn't involve Russ being so good shooting the ball. 15 points. I'm, I'm sorry. I should say on the ball. Because when there were some games, obviously in OKC, where he didn't shoot well, but obviously he's creating so much for the team, so many open shots. This game, it was off the ball. There was one amazing interception and rotation he had. On the ball, point of attack, not that great, but defensively, on the rotations, help. He was engaged, he was rebounding, and I absolutely love his rebounding. It's amazing. Nine rebounds for Russ, second most of anyone on the team after Zoo, and the greatest out of them all. I talk about passing up bad shots, passing up the open 18-footers that they're baiting him to do from the top. Zero. I repeat, zero turnovers for number zero. How about Goatbrook, baby? Let's get some applause in the fucking chat right now. Dude, I am loving the Russ experience now. We're 4-5, and five, okay, still under 500, But look, there is clearly a great role for him here. And he is clearly happy with it. Tyloo didn't play him much in the fourth quarter, didn't close with him because, as I always say, the ball, in my opinion, tends to find non-shooters at the end of games. But in this game, again, you can make a case for Russ to start. I personally am not—I'm sorry, to close— I am personally, as much of a Russ fan as I am, I don't feel comfortable with him closing as much as I am for a guy like EJ. But, you know, the Russ fans are always going to want him to start and close because, you know, they know that they have more faith in him than I do. And I have a lot of faith, faith in him to play well, but I'm not, I just don't want him to, you know, take a bad shot when it's, When it matters most and the defense just... First of all, in my opinion, if he was better defensively, we'd have more of an argument for him closing. But defensively, he's not good enough. So he shouldn't be closing, in my opinion. Like the last three minutes or five minutes maybe. But seven minutes is a little excessive, in my opinion. I want to see Russ play a little bit more in that fourth... But he was great. And I think, honestly, Ty Lu's doing Russ favors when he doesn't make him close. Because he was amazing tonight. He doesn't have a chance to have one of those, those bad turnovers, those costly misses, those costly poor decisions. None of that. He's saving Russell Westbrook from that. So we're just getting mostly great stuff from him. Honestly, I'm for it. I think Ty's done a great job with Russ. And clearly his man management has been good. One thing I've noticed about Ty, Bones Highland is getting less minutes here than he did in Denver. But he's been having a good attitude so far. And I heard from all the articles that the beat writers wrote that Ty Lue had a real conversation with him. And you know what? Something that's underrated that we don't know behind the scenes is the man management aspect. And I think Ty Lue, for the most part, has done a great job since he's become the Clipper coach. And how do I know that? Because of the players. For the most part, he's gotten the most out of the players. I mean, he's revived a couple of careers. I mean, Reggie Jackson, he had him looking like Kyrie Irving. Nicholas Batum has had revival. But Steph Curry, you already knew he was going to come and make a little push in the fourth quarter, and he did, but he just didn't get enough assistance. Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole really cooled down. Uh, I love Dante DiVincenzo's game. I think he was trying hard, but he can't guard fucking Kawhi. And Paul George and him did their thing, and big threes made by Paul George late in the game in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. I thought the Clippers stayed in tune defensively. Curry Curry still did some amazing things, but all you got to do is keep playing hard. That's all I ask. And I think the Clippers refers to the loose balls. Straight up. Taking care of the ball and getting offensive rebounds was the reason the Clippers won the game. And obviously they had two stars and the Warriors didn't have Andrew Wiggins. Without Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton, especially Wiggins, it's a huge loss defensively. Those guys that go out there and guard the best players every night. One thing I intend on doing in my historic timeline and just talking about basketball. My platform is to give those guys more credit. The guys that in every era primarily guard the opposing team's best player. Those guys deserve so much credit because that shit's not easy, and that's it's not uh, just any. It's just not just an effort thing. It's a real skill to be a good defender one on one. It really is. Some guys just ain't cut out for it. Guys that are amazing at rotations and can know every scheme in the book get their ass busted when they're on an island. So. Guys like Michael Cooper, Andrew Wiggins, Drew Holiday, Bruce Bowen, you know Ron Artest, Trevor Ariza, these kind of guys. We want to shout them out a lot more on this channel. We will continue to do that. But the Clippers win it, 134 to 126, to make it four in a row. They tie the season series against the Golden State Warriors at two apiece. We are now 37 and 33, 19 and 15 at home, which I still am not very proud of, but that home record is getting better. I remember it being around 500 most of the year. The Warriors are now 7-27 and on the road, 36-34 and on the year. I mean, as far as the Warriors, Jordan Poole didn't guard. Jordan Poole didn't come in in terms of offensively in the second half, he didn't do much. Klay Thompson was just broke in the second half. And I don't think the Warriors got enough from, I mean, they didn't get anything offensively from Draymond Green, really. I mean, three for seven. It's really the defense, though. I shouldn't even be talking about offense. You score 126 points, that's not the issue. It's really the defense for the Warriors. And look, you just don't have guys that can guard our best players without Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton. Devin Chenzo's a good defender, and you know what? Paul George was eight for 21 tonight, but you guys are still showing him a lot of attention. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are making the right passes. And I thought some of those possessions were moving the ball, You know, not from side to side, but just making the extra pass, just keep swinging it. We're just beautiful. And I love the way we attack closeouts more. And that gets better when Marcus Morris doesn't play. But let's read the lines for the Clippers tonight. I really thought this was a fun game and a great performance from the team overall. I still think we have problems guarding the ball. Even Kawhi Leonard. I thought Kawhi Leonard, not guarding the ball, but... I'm just saying, even Kawhi and Paul George are not insane guarding the ball anymore, in my opinion. And if they are, well, we got to see them guard one on one more. But teams aren't going to put them in the action to guard their best, you know, their players one on one. You don't want Kawhi Leonard to come guard your best player. You don't want his guy to set a screen. Because he switches on to you. Well, yeah, that's not the preferred matchup. Let's put it that way. So let's read the lines. For the Warriors. They got 10 minutes from Moses Moody. I didn't even notice him. Nothing, not relevant enough. 16 minutes from ex-Clipper Jermichael Green, who had 7 points and 2 rebounds on 2-for-2 from the field. Look, I wasn't paying attention to the Warriors side of things because I'm a Clipper fan, but uh, I can't, he probably didn't have the best defensive game, I would assume. Jonathan Kaminga had some good moments. 8 points, 4-for-5 from the field in 19 minutes, but... He does seem to have a lot of defensive lapses off the ball. You know, he's a young player still. Very raw talent. Jordan Poole, 19 points and 5 assists on 6-for-11 shooting and 3-for-5 from the 3-point line. Already talked about him. His defense is just atrocious, though. As for the starters, who all played 25-plus minutes for the dubs, Kevon Looney, 6 points and 13 rebounds. 5 of those offensive rebounds and 3-for-8 from the field. No free-throw attempts for him. So, meh. Met game for him. Come on, Looney. Got some rebounds. Draymond Green, 8 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. A good old-fashioned triple single for Draymond of Saginaw. 3 for 7 from the field. Look, I had no issues. I mean, he played some decent defense. But overall, can't shoot. Doesn't even look at the basket sometimes. And we're okay with that. And clearly, Ty Lu was telling the guys, we're okay with letting him take that floater. We want to take the ball away from Steph Curry and Jordan Poole downhill, we're okay with that Draymond Green floater. We just don't want to give him an open layup, so at least send that rotation over. You just don't need to be right in his face when you contest him. So, DiVincenzo, 10 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists on 4 for 10 from the field and 2 for 7 from 3. I've seen him have better games than this one, so we got pretty lucky there that he didn't have a great game. Klay Thompson, Only 15 points, 6 for 16 from the field, 3 for 8 from 3. He's been really good offensively of late. Happy he didn't pop off tonight. But listen to this stat line. 50 points, 6 assists, 2 steals, only 2 turnovers. 20 for 28 from the field. 8 for 14 from 3. So half his shots were 3s. And I mean, 8 for 14 is insane. Only 4 free throw attempts, and he definitely should have had more. Um, The Clippers definitely got the home-centric whistle in this one. 17 for, I'm sorry, 11 for 15 from the line for the Warriors, 26 for 32 from the Clippers, so we got more than double their free throw attempts, but I also think it's because we were more aggressive attacking the basket, and the Warriors, they shot a lot of threes, you know, Clippers shot 34 threes, made 16 of them for 47%, that's amazing, and the Warriors were 17 for 36 from three, 47% for them, so, as well. So, both teams actually shot a lot of threes. Uh, Actually, that's about league average. But the Clippers had more shots taken because, eight more shots taken to be exact, because they turned the ball over only seven times to the Warriors' 16, and they got 16 offensive rebounds to the Warriors' seven. So, as amazing as Steph Curry was, the Clippers were the winning team. Terrence Mann, he was just spectacular. 17 points, 6 for 10 from the field, shot 1-3 and made it, 4 for 5 from the line, continues to attack the basket, continues to be active defensively, continues to attack closeouts, and finish strong around the rim. He adds so much athleticism to the team, some youth, and he's willing to run with Russ. Gotta love the man. Just want want him to get more minutes, of course. 25 minutes in this one, but what can you do? Eric Gordon was amazing. 16 points on 5 for 11 shooting and 4 for 8 from 3. He's just playing amazing basketball with Dorian Powell out, honestly. He had some bad games, but these last five, he's just been unbelievable. And then the starters. Besides Marcus Morris, who had two points on 1 for 4 shooting in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. That's all in the first half, mind you. He should never be playing that much. That means he's on track to play 30. But Russell Westbrook, 27 minutes. As I said, he should have gone like 30 to me. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of those offensive rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers, 6 for 16 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3, and 1 for 2 from the line. Listen... Six for sixteen is not that great, you know, field goal percentage-wise. But I don't give a shit. He did so many other things well. The offensive rebounding is the best part about it. Just so much athleticism, swooping out of nowhere. Two steals. They were both awesome steals that resulted in points. So, love it, love it. Zubots. 19 points and 16 boards. This was a rare game where Ty Lue actually let Zubots close. And even though he was getting put in the pick and roll up by Curry, and he was getting blown by, because that Curry hesitation is so lethal. I Thought Zoo had some good moments defending the pick and roll, but more more so in drop coverage against like Jordan Poole or Steph Curry Curry in like more of the first half. But when he had to come out to the three point line, Steph Curry was turning that corner easily on him or getting him on that hesitation. It's so filthy, and. But Zu was making a pay on the other end. He was getting offensive rebounds. He was putting the ball back up and in, finishing strong. I mean, Zu was awesome. 19 and 16, five offensive boards, six for eight from the field, and seven for eight from the foul line. So you've got to love that good free throw shooting from Zu in 30 minutes. And then the duo, 2-1-3. Paul George, for me, was the player of the game because even though he was less efficient than Kawhi, he was guarding Steph Curry more, and I got to give him that credit. Kawhi did guard Steph Curry a little more in the last like five minutes or so, but they were just getting a screen to get him off of him. But I thought Paul George, I just loved his intensity in this game, and he made the big shots at the end as well. So you, you can definitely argue Kawhi was the player of the game. Absolutely you can argue it. He probably was, but I'm going to go with Paul George just because I challenged him to play better defensively, and he's been... Awesome the last four games defensively. So PG, 24 points, 7 assists, 1 turnover. Love that. 8 for 21 from the field. Guarded Steph Curry more than anyone else. Four for nine from three. So he shot very well from the three point line. Four for six from the free throw line. Gotta at least make five of those. Forty minutes though is a little much. And then Kawhi, arguably the player of the game. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 turnovers, 10 for 19 from the field, 3 for 7 from deep, and 7 for 7 from the line. The guy is just playing out of his mind right now, but not really because that's just who he is. He's been playing great help defense. I think personally, though, there were a couple times we got beat back door. I think Paul George was the best defensive player for the Clippers in this one. But Kawhi Leonard is still great. I mean, his hands are so humongous he gets his hand on so many loose balls and rebounds and Kawhi did a great job on the glass in this one eight rebounds but five of those came in the first quarter so it kind of slowed down for him in that department because Zu was getting everything but he was just awesome his shot making is incredible his efficiency is unbelievable he's got that flat jumper but it is absolute cash and the Clippers get a huge win they're now in fifth in the Western Conference and only half a game behind the Phoenix Buns We're coming, Phoenix. We want that home court advantage. My issue is six games in the loss column behind Memphis and John Morant set to come back in eight games. As for that whole situation, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing that interview with Jalen Rose. John Morant coming back, I mean, we should have expected it. So the Grizzlies are still a threat to do things. It doesn't look like the Clippers are going to be able to get that top three seed. They're going to have to do a miracle. But here's the thing. If they don't match, I mean, if we don't match up with Phoenix, but we match up with the War like Phoenix or the Warriors. It's gonna be a nightmare either way in that first round. But let's just take it one game at a time and see the Clippers play the best way they can play. Right now, they're currently the hottest team in the Western Conference. They're the only team to have won four consecutive games. The Thunder have won three in a row, but the Clippers have won four in a row. The Kings, though, Sacramento are eight and two in their last ten. So you can say they're the hottest team in the West. But we just gotta take it one game at a time. I'd honestly rather have home credit advantage in the first round than not. If it's between four and five, I'm obviously taking four. But it is what it is. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Thank you for listening. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you want. And now I'm going to go to the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat. Super chats that turn on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Let's fucking go, baby. Four in a row. Needed that one. Russell Goatbrook. Actually, I forgot. I want to say something real quick before we end. The Lakers, I did not get to catch their last two games, but I heard they had a big win against the Pelicans where they were amazing. Malik Beasley snapped out of his shooting slump and was hitting a bunch of threes, and AD was just awesome. But... Ad is officially getting the Kawhi Leonard treatment now. No back-to-backs at all. So that's going to hurt the Lakers a lot with LeBron out, and they lost the Houston Rockets tonight. The measly Houston Rockets, and apparently they just took it for granted. So that's a big loss. The Lakers are back to tenth. OKC's won three in a row because SGA just continues to be an absolute god, and now the Thunder are in ninth place. And I thought for a second they may be tanking when SGA was out, but oh no, they're not. They've come too far. It's going to be an interesting ending, but we're going to definitely be watching the Lakers more and talking about them as the season closes. Thank you for joining me tonight. Sorry about that. Go fucking Clippers.